Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. We're so glad you are listening and hope you continue to do so. Today's speaker is the incomparable Reverend Bobby Kilman, who is continuing our John series, finishing out the fifth chapter, verses 19 through 47. His sermon is titled, If You Miss Him, You Miss Everything. Amen, amen. My, my, my. What a time to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. There's two things I pray for consistently uh, when, I, when I have to speak or preach or teach is for clarity and brevity. Sometimes it works. Hallelujah. I'll let you pick which one happens tonight. I am uh, delighted to be here in Young Adults again. I love this group. I don't know what Kevin's talking about. It's an incredible privilege to be here. Our, our schedule is a little chaotic, and I am glad Brother Lopez has not fired me. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We're working through the Gospel of John. I'm going to do that tonight. I have nine pages of notes. good thing is, is I'm going blind, and it's at size 14 font. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, just turn to your neighbor and say, relax. relax. Amen, amen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be myself a little bit tonight. I want to I uh, do some things. I will promise you that if you endure till the end, uh, my wife is bringing some goodies. Brother Lopez, close your ears. Uh, it is, she is making homemade cinnamon rolls she rolled out herself. So they're coming. So, uh, just endure hardness as a good soldier. The, the goodness will wait at the end. Amen. All right, so what, here's what I want to do. My portion of Scripture I've been tasked to go through tonight is John chapter 5, verses 19 through 47. And I want to do that. I want to lay out a little bit of groundwork for understanding this lesson. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a thinker by nature and, and by temperament. And so I, I want to do some things that I think will help us uh, get to what John is trying to say to us. If I titled this tonight, I would title it simply, If You Miss Him, You Miss Everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss him. <laughs> All right, so John is drawing, uh, in this passage of Scripture, a stark contrast. He's going to, it's not like it's an even, kind of a both-and. Uh, he, he says it's not an either, or, or you know, a both-and, or, or there's no middle ground. You can't do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. John is saying there's stark contrast. There's spirit and there's flesh. He's going to lay out in this particular gospel, there's truth and there's lies. He says, there's light and there's darkness. There's life and there's death. You ready? There's God and the world. He says, there's faith and rejection. That's it. And that's the divisions uh, that he's trying to uh, get us painted into tonight. The Lord will help us. Uh, This is what I want to do. Here's the difference maker between those two categories. How many of you want to be on the right side of the category? Hallelujah. Right, so it's very simple. John is making the case, and again, he's building it uh, throughout his gospel. As the the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, inspires him to write, and I'm sure they did this at the introductory lesson. Uh, but you know, it's distilled. John doesn't tell a lot of the same stories. He zooms in and and, and concentrates on very very particular pieces of Jesus's life. It has less stories or narratives than any other gospel. Because John is telling particular things, right? And that's the kind of intense thing that he wants to do. So here's, here's what he says. The difference maker is, uh, I know there's people that hate this word, Brother Herbs, but it's the sonship. Now what does that mean? I'll give you another word. You could write it as the faithful covenant partner. 
Now we're going to look at that. Jesus' assignment and the divine plan in him ultimately accomplishes the goal. That's why we're going to look in the text today. It's going to say Jesus says, whatever the Father does, the Son does. Why? He says, whenever the, whenever the Father works, this is what he's saying, the human will cooperates. Yeah. I'm going to give you a phrase from a Southern Baptist. I think it's a pretty powerful one. His name's Oscar Coleman. He says, what we find in this uh, act is the unity of the re re revelation or the unity of the revelatory act. Because without the Son, you can't see the Father. You can't see the intention, the purpose, the plan. You ready? The goal. Uh, my wonderful uh, sister-in-law and uh, my wife's sister and my brother-in-law, Tim, we were out when his father was a pastor in Louisiana. He was still alive. And uh, we were out uh, going around some places in Louisiana looking at some old homes. And we walked in. We were going to look at one particular place. Then we decided not to, so we walked off the place. And we'd kind of been bouncing around with what to do for a little while. And finally, his dad looked at him and said, Son, what's the goal here? So, you know, that's what I want to focus on. What is the goal here? Because if you miss him, you miss everything. Not just We're not talking about just Christology, the person of Christ. We're, we're going to see that if you miss Jesus, you miss a ton of things. Purpose is one of them. What, what is your life supposed to be like? All right, and we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight if the Lord will help us. I'm going to, I'm going to keep the clock right there so I can see the time. Oh, look, there's a text from Amy on my way. Cinnamon rolls in rock. Hallelujah. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. God is say, so is Sister Kilman. <laughs> so I think it's fun. Let me give you a scripture. I'm going to cheat a little bit, Brother Lopez. I'm going to jump forward to one verse in chapter 10, verse 33. The Bible says, The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blaspheming, and because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Now, we're going to see that, that John is leading them to this point to ultimately they understand his claim. And we're going to see some of that in here. So uh, Jesus' role that he embraced as a human being at baptism is the servant of the Lord. He came to be the ultimate fulfillment of all of the uh, Old Testament servants of the Lord. He's going to be the servant of the Lord par excellence. That means no one else is going to be equivo uh, equivocated, or not equivocated, equal to uh, Jesus. Right? He did it all. Okay, well, let's see if we can get there. Now, that, this is what Jesus is going to argue in this particular text. How, how many of you remember the last portion of the text? I don't remember. who did, Was it taught last week? Yeah. I was away. Okay, yes. Brother Hurts. Are they really all getting ticked off over the guy getting healed? How many of you read that and you're like, this is stupid? I'm sorry, that's not a nice word. What's a nice word? This is ridiculous. Thank you. Well, Zach, I appreciate you. You're going to make me sound better on the podcast. I repent to all your mothers who are listening to me. I'm in a very loose mood. This is dangerous. But you're just, you're, you're watching these guys and you're like, really? This is all there is. You got a guy that's been sick for so long, he gets healed, and then Jesus says, take up your bed and walk, and the issue, he's breaking the Sabbath. They're not even focusing on the healing. And, and so John's going to uh, show that. Why, uh, why are they arguing against the miracle? And this is what Jesus is going to say. Three things very quickly. He's going to say, uh, I, first of all, I, as Jesus, as the man, the Christ, I cannot rest. Why? Because the Father's not resting. Second thing he's going to say is, um, uh, when we talk about rest and the Sabbaths, 
I can't stop working because we haven't reached that real rest that you're trying to celebrate. You have made the celebration that was an anticipation the end. He says, that's not the end. The rest is going to come on the day of Pentecost. Isaiah 28, 11. This is the rest wherein he calls the weary to rest. With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. And so the baptism of the Holy Ghost has been anticipated in all of these feasts and all these practices for Sabbath. You ready? And here they are. The people that know the Bible the best should get it. But Brother Brzezinski, they don't get it. Instead, they're so caught up in minutiae that they miss the Messiah. Okay, and so that's what we're going to see. So he says that, like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest. And that's the anticipation. So Jesus is going to work towards that ultimate rest. And then the third thing that this text is going to teach us is Christ's time, or the man Jesus' time, is God's time. And that's why whoever gets that wonderful passage in John 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Okay, and that's talking about the judgment and the end of the day. And that means anything you're going to do for God has to be done right now. And even Jesus said, okay, well, I will get into it. Turn to your neighbor and say, hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, now I'm going to say some things to you tonight. This will prep, and I promise we're going to get done with this very quickly. Jesus, this is what John is going to show us in this particular passage of Scripture and throughout the rest of the Gospel of John. Jesus reaches his eternal goal for us, first of all, and then in us, and then with us. See, I know where I'm going. I just want to shout a little bit. But I know i gotta, I got to communicate. Lord, help me. All right, so uh, what does that mean? It means the eternity was secured by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what you have is the Old Testament prophecies leading you, John the Baptist leading you to the person of Christ. Then you have Christ, you ready, and the inbreaking of the new reign of God on the fallen world. And then from there, you have hope of life today, new life in the Spirit. Okay, let me see if I can uh, help us today. So this is what that would look like, because I'm going to, I'm a visual guy, and for all you visual learners, you'll love me, all the rest of y'all will hate me. Are you guys okay? Very right, good. All right, so the Old Testament was to lead us to Christ. Now remember, I'm not like Xing out Jesus, right? Brother Ross, you've had a Kai, you've had, what is it? It's a Kai, I knew you were going to say that. It's a Kai from... Christos, right, good. The, the name of Christ, uh, Christos uh, in Greek. All right, so it's to lead us to the person of Christ. Now, this is what happens. Right here is the inbreaking of the new realm of God, right? The kingdom of God, which Jesus is the Christ event, starts. Now, here's, what, here's where we're at today. We're in the church age, and this is life in the Spirit. Now, why is that important to know? Because how many of you know that Jesus made a difference in your life? How many of you know that the things that I used to do, I don't have to do anymore. I'm not, I wish we could talk about it tonight. I wish we could go around and have all of you tell your testimonies. Because I know some of your testimonies. I, I wish I knew all of your testimonies. That's why I miss Brother Lopez. We probably shouldn't start it, though. Again, testimony services are dangerous. <laughs> but they're also powerful because we remind ourselves of how important the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. Yes. So when the, the Old Testament says, make known, Brother Brzezinski, his deeds among the people, that's to build faith. Has God done anything good for you? Amen. 
You ready? Then that's what life in the Spirit is about. But then John goes further, and he's going to start to, talking about eternity, or Jesus will, in the Gospel of John. All right, now this is, this is what I'm going to talk about the whole time, if the Lord will help me. Now what does that mean? It means that ultimately we're living in the both now and the not yet. We're living in this, the kingdom of God now. How many of you know your life has been changed? And there, we're also anticipating that thing that is not yet fully here. That's called eternity. And the way that we hold the tension between the two is very simple. We hope in Christ. Now, I hope you know what that means. That means my hope is not just built on a mental ascent that Jesus died, he, he was buried, and He rose again. It means the change that comes, Christ in me, the hope of glory, that is that eternal thing that will take me from here to there. And there are some days, I'll tell you, when you're facing persecution or trials or stress or just life, rains on the just and the unjust, I tell you what will keep you is that hope for that other thing, that little bit of taste of eternity already in your heart by the baptism of the Holy Ghost will keep you through trials. Sometimes that's the only, and I have a wonderful wife and a, a, a pretty incredible boy, you know, and he's 17, talked to me in about five years, and we'll see how good he's going to do but he's doing really good now, and I enjoy it, right? I, I'm loving it really well. But, but here's the thing. My hope is not only in this life. And that's what John is going to say. So when Hebrews chapter 2, two verse 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, we won't talk about that today, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of, our, of their salvation perfect through suffering. You ready? If you don't get on board with Christ, you can't be one of those sons brought to glory. The problem with these very religious people is they're going to reject, you ready, Jesus, the captain, the leader, the one we follow from here into eternity. And if you don't let him pave the way, you ain't going to make it into eternity. But if you let him pave the way, you ready? Your, your eternity is secure because what you accept now will help you then. And that's what John is going to say, if I can say it without preaching too much. Hallelujah. Right? So what we have is we have uh, this initiation. We have Christ. Then we have the Spirit. And then we have eternity or the eternal. Now what we're going to see is what John's going to argue in this passage, is if you don't accept him, you've lost everything. You've lost him in this life, and you've lost him in the life to come. And John is going to make the case so strong. When we look at these passages of Scripture, you're looking at people, you're looking at these guys that know uh, Brother Brzezinski, the Bible, the best, and they missed all of the Old Testament prophecy about this thing. It was plain, right in front of, sounds like people in church. I know y'all are all spiritual and you never struggle. But sometimes I have to remind myself, right? Encourage myself what I've been introduced to. Let me give you a little phrase that one man said it this way. He says, because God acts in history, he is a historical God. That, that means God is concerned about everyday life. He said, but, but of necessity then, if he's a historical God, Brother Brzezinski, and history is going somewhere, you ready? And he's the captain of our profession, our faith, you ready? Then he says this, if God acts in history, he's a historical God. Then if he's a historical God of necessity, he is an eschatological God. 
Now, what is that eschatological? It's that eternal thing. Let me give it to you this way in Bobby Hillman language. I'll, I'll bring it down a notch. God, the God who is interested in present salvation is also interested in eternal salvation. And what we do now is what will get us there. So he's going to say, Philip was right. All right, so this is a picture of a believer. John 145, they've already said it. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth. And see, here's what's crazy, Brother Lopez. We see in, in, in John 1.11, we've already treated that, he came to his own, his own received him not. And the ones who ex, uh, explicated the law, who went verse by verse, the most impressive teachers of the day, I wish we had time to uh, pull up uh, uh, Kenyon's uh, little research into the Masoretic priesthood and talk about how careful they were with the Old Testament text. And, you know, here's what the problem is. Even though they were really careful with the text, they missed him. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, uh, John's going to tell us. All right, so uh, Jesus is going to, he says, oh, you're going to follow other people. Let's see if I can do this right. Mm, help me, Lord. Okay, so... Um, Here's the failure of the Pharisees. It's going to come into full focus in this passage of Scripture. We're going to see John 1.11 fulfilled. He came to his own, and his own received him not. And we're going to see it here. Here's what happens. They get off the train of Revelation. So they are the Jewish people, and they're on this historical thing we call the timeline of history. And this is what they do. They decide right here, I'm going to get off the train and stop right here. Now, here's the problem. If you get off the train of Revelation right there, he can't carry you into the future. And so that's what John is going uh, to show us. So let's, let's dive into the text. Are, are you guys okay? All right, so here's what he says. If you miss Revelation, or if you get off the train of Revelation, you're going to miss the culmination. All right? So what does that look like? No, no initial faith will cost you everything cost you all. So for instance, John 5, 46, he says, for had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, Jesus says, for he wrote in me. So all you have to do is believe Moses. And then you, you couple that with Luke 24, 27, at the end of Jesus' ministry, and Jesus says, and, the, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them uh, in all the scriptures the things concerning him. You ready? And then he tells them after that, Brother Brzezinski, go to tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And when they got off the train of Revelation and didn't accept what Moses said about Jesus, you ready? They wrecked their, their life now in the spirit and their eternal destination. Okay, so let's dive into the text. 519. Then Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, now, for all of you who are wrestling with the doctrine of the Trinity and how to articulate oneness to your friends, just notice that that's not equal. That's not co-equal. That's subordinate. And anything subordinate has to be the man, right? Okay, the man Jesus. All right? He, see, he can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for whatsoever things he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So what Jesus is saying is in terms of defending his miracle, the guy's been sick for 38 years, and I know you're mad, not because he's healed. What did you say? It's not stupid, it's, it's ridiculous. what? It's ridiculous, that's right. 
You're just like, man, how in the world can you miss this? You ready? Because Jesus didn't break the Sabbath, him taking up his bed and walk. He broke the Jewish interpretation of the Sabbath. That's right. And so here you have a man waiting on the deliverance of God, and it gets there. And here, here's the problem. They can't even follow the miraculous touch of God in the man Jesus being demonstrated in front of them because they don't want to accept it. Okay, and that's what we're, we're, he's going to lead us to. Right? So, uh, so he says, I'm not claiming that I'm independent. Jesus says that. Now, that's a non-Trinitarian statement, just so you're aware. He says, but first of all, I receive authority. That's not co-equal. He says, number two, I obey the Father. Now, why wouldn't he obey the Trinity? Because there's only one God and Father of all. Okay, what do you got? All right, and then third, Jesus says, I execute the Father's will. I execute God's will. Now, that's what Jesus the man came to do. So the unity of objective happened in the subordination of the man's will. Now, we don't have time to deal with that in detail, but here's what that means. It means the son, the man Jesus, is the perfect agent, the true covenant partner. And that's the only one that can save us because he is our substitute. Now, we talked about the Godhead a lot in here. I'll resist the urge to go down that road a lot. But Jesus as a man can only do what, what God, you ready? The divine purpose was, and, and that's why, Mal I'll give you a verse, Malachi 1.6. God says, a son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, how many believe God is your father? Okay. And he says, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, how many of you know he's your Lord, your master? Then where is my fear? This is what God is saying through the uh, prophet Malachi. I am looking for honor in my servants, and I can't find any. Anytime. He goes on to talk about, he says, Oh, priests that despise my name. And you say, Wherein have we despised thy name? It's because you haven't obeyed. How many of you have ever disobeyed? Ooh. All have sinned and come short. So God is saying, you ready? Where is my honor? And that's where the son, the man Jesus, becomes the perfect agent. He can only do that as if as a man, he operates in concert with the will of the Father. He's not self-will driven. Now I'm just going to help you. You ready? Christology is not just eschatology. You ready? Our, our understanding of Christ isn't just about eternity. It's also about pneumatology. I'm, I know I'm throwing some terms at you. But Christology, the man Jesus, will get us into eternity, you ready? But he also models what life in the Spirit should look like. And that means you can't be self-will driven. You have to be submitted to God. You ready? If you're going to be the sons of God, that means you have to submit your will to the divine will, to the purpose of God. And he not only becomes our, our, uh, the one to lead us ultimately to salvation, Brother Brzezinski, but he also shows us how to walk the way. And then he's also in us, helping us walk the road. So he secures that for us. And then he helps walk in us. And then he carries that, you ready, with us into eternity. Aren't you glad you know him? And see, that's not a frivolous statement. It's like I know him as my redeemer, as my sustainer, and the ultimate security of my future. I know him. And that's what... Uh, uh, what's hidden in all these wonderful uh, little verses. So the goal and the action is united in the person and the work of Christ. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things uh, John, uh, uh, G, uh, that uh, himself doeth, and, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may what? Marvel. Marvel. So do you, you think here, he'll in a 
paralyzed guy, paralytics, uh, pretty nifty. I'm going to raise the dead here in just a little bit. And Jesus does. And does everybody have, repent and believe? No, because remember this, I promise you, the revelation of God always draws a, a strict contrast. They're going to be the believers and the unbelievers. They're going to be the people that accept him and his work, you ready? And align with him and the people that reject him. And there's only two sides of that equation. And the question that John is forcing on them is, who are you? Jesus is saying, who are you going to believe? You're going to believe the world inside with the tradition of men, or are you going to believe me? And the question for us is the same today. Are we going to believe him and side with him, you ready, or side with the world? Right. So that's the contrast uh, that John is uh, uh, growing, uh, or helping us with. So Jesus is ultimately facing down his critics. Why? To show his divine authority. For what purpose? Just to defend his honor? No. It's Why does he do that? So that they would consider his claims. And you ready? So that we, years later, picking up this wonderful book we call the Bible, would consider his claims. And we don't have time to deal with the historicity of the New Testament and the, uh, the incredible witness to Jesus. I'll just give you this much. There was a Muslim apologist, Brother Herbst, that said that Christianity has more going for it than uh, any other religion. Islam has nothing like it in terms of the veracity and the truthfulness of the history captured there. That's why you've got to take the testimony seriously. I wish we had time to deal with all that tonight, but we don't. We can talk about that another time. Okay, so what, what is uh, Jesus going on to say? It says, For the Father raises up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. So he's saying it's the Father that gives life. But then he goes on to say, and, and the Jews would agree. They would say, yeah, Oh, the Father has power over life and death. You could go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7. We won't do that tonight. Or Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 13. And they say, who can raise the dead but God? And you ready? What, what they're looking for is an agent of God to come on the scene like Elijah and Elisha and all these Old Testament prophets. You ready? That God worked the miraculous through. And Jesus is saying, if you don't believe me, believe for the work's sake. Can't you see the evident hand of God on my ministry working in and through me as a man? And everyone around them that studies the Old Testament should get it and say, this is like the prophet Elijah and Elisha. This is nothing less than the voice of God. And yet they rejected him. Right? So the father judgeth no man, but committeth the judgment to the son. And, and good Jews would say, Genesis 18, 25, only God judges. And that, but now here's what they say. But you're going to stand before Jesus. Well, I thought I was going to stand before God. You will. Because he is the only God incarnate. And you're ultimately, there's one throne and one that sits on the throne. And like even Billy Graham's pastor said, the only God you're going to see in heaven is Jesus. You ready? So bow now or bow in the future. But I promise you, if you want to get on the other side of this equation in a blessed place, you got to do your bowing now. Yes. All right, and that's, a, that's the point that John is uh, trying to bring home, uh, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so uh, we're almost done. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's shocking. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. <laughs> that all men should, everybody say, honor the Son. Now, if you, if you highlight or underline in your Bible, you need to underline this passage. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. To a Jewish person, that's blasphemy. Why? 
Because, you ready? God doesn't share his honor. Isaiah 42, 8. I wish we had time to do there. Isaiah 42, you can look at uh, about three passages in there, verse 8, verses 10 through 12. And God says he will not share his glory with another. Okay, so why share glory with the Son? And look at what the text goes on to say. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which sent him. Now, what does that mean? It means there are religious people today that say that they worship God, but they don't honor Jesus. Right? And I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind, but it's like Muslim people. It's like uh, Jewish people. But Brother Kilman, they believe in the God of the Old Testament. That's right. But this is life eternal, knowing thee, the only true God. They get that right. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And because they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ, they don't have eternal life. Yeah. Why? Because they got off the train of Revelation. And when revelation, the new revelatory event happens, when the fulfillment of the law, not the doing away, but the filled full expression, and the rest comes, and Jesus wants to start overturning sickness and sin and, and the dedication of human beings to self. You know what the two biggest are? Sin and self. And God helped me get out of that and gave me rest, Brother Brzezinski, in the Spirit. And they missed that opportunity and got off, off track. And that's what... Uh, that's what uh, John is dealing with. So these religious people, even Jewish people, Mormons or Jehovah's Witness. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hurt get a little tighter. You ready? Trinitarians that deny Jesus' name baptism. Honor the Son. We're gonna look at the text in a minute. He says, "As many as believed Him, gave He power, as many that believed on His name." You gotta believe on the name Jesus. You ready? That's why you gotta be baptized. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the only way to get on the other side, okay? Not because we're trying to be exclusive, but because there's only one way to get life in the Spirit, and that's water and spirit baptism. Now, in all due respect, that means, Brother Brzezinski, there's not three destinations. There's not a destination for the holy. There's not a second destination for the righteous and a second destination for the wicked. There's only two places, heaven or hell, and eternity. You ready? And as, as Brother Golder would say, we're not smart enough to miss them both. I'll do respect to people who uh, to try to teach other things. That means there's no light doctrine either. Uh, uh, Brother Ross, at the end of the day, if you don't have his name called over you in baptism, you have not honored the Son. And the Jesus says, the very moment you honor the Son, you honor the Father. And without honoring the Son, you don't honor the Father. That's right. That's why Seth, your wonderful granddad, who was facing death, thank God, he got baptized and, and the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. Did some pretty incredible things. I'm not saying every little new How many of you know God uses even broken people? People like me. Weak people, frail people. And at the end of the day, God can still get his work done, right? And, at the, and so if you honor the Son, so here's my challenge tonight. If you haven't honored the Son, I wish we could go to Psalm chapter 2 and talk about Jesus' baptism where it says, kiss the Son. Now that was old, that's old, like kissing, like think uh, Middle Ages, kissing the ring of the king in terms of fidelity. You swear your covenant, uh, you swear your allegiance to the conqueror, to the king. You ready? And if you don't accept Jesus, let's he be angry with you. And Jesus is going to talk about that. You get on the other side of eternity without his blessing. Okay, so uh, let me see if I can go quickly. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they, uh, and they that hear shall live. 
Now, so what does that mean? Here, here, here. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son. Now, if he's given it to him, that can't be co-equal, right? So just put a non-Trinitarian statement right there, just however you mark that in your Bible. To have life in himself. So it's given to him this power. But you ready? They're going to hear his voice. That means the kingdom is both now and not yet. Again, right? you ready? That means there are aspects of the kingdom already in operation in the present. That's life in the spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the ability to leave a changed life. But then he says the Son mediates everything. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There's one mediator between God and man, the, the man, Christ Jesus. No man comes up to the Father but by me, Jesus says. That's why we can't let people mess around with Jesus' name, baptism, because not only does it shut them off from life in the Spirit, it shuts them off from eternity. Don't try to get them saved another way. If any man comes up any other way, he's a thief and a robber. we got to stay strong on this message because we want people saved. If you reject him, you reject everything. Okay, But if you get him, you get everything. Okay, I'll, I'll try to behave. Okay. All right, so uh, let's see if I can wrap up. All right, so what is John doing here? Uh, he goes on to say, and, and have given him authority to execute judgment, also because he is the Son of Man. Now, that means he's fully human. I wish we had time to, I'll give you some, uh, those of you who like to do some devotional reading on that, maybe uh, Daniel chapter 7. He's the Son of Man, that uh, apocalyptic figure, Brother Brzezinski, who comes up to the Ancient of Days, and, is, and he is given, which means not co-equal, a throne and an eternal kingdom. And the man Jesus was given. Why? Because he accomplished his role. He secured it. You ready? And this is the reign. And this is the ultimate expression of the reign. Right? So he's given that kingdom. And he can represent us now as, uh, as judge. Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay. Mm. Giving him authority to execute judgment. What does that look like? Oh, yes. Uh, let me just sum, sum it up. You go to Hebrews and look at it. Start about chapter 2 and just start reading through that he was a merciful high priest. Why? Because he behooved him to be made in all points like unto his brethren. You ready? So here's the, here's the high priest. Here's the captain of your profession, uh, Brother Ross. He knows what it's like to walk this road. And there's your hope, you ready? Yeah. That somebody has already walked this road ahead of you and knows about heartache and setbacks and betrayal and pain and, and all the things that come with life, you ready? And he knows how to get you through. Amen. And that's why we have a merciful high priest, you ready? All you have to do is come to him and accept his rule in your life and walk with him and he'll walk with you. But that's not where John ends. See, that's the good side. He says, marvel not for the hours coming in which uh, all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Uh, it's like, uh, how many of you have ever been to like Arlington Cemetery? Anybody been there? My wife and I and Joel uh, went on vacation this summer and, and uh, went over to Illinois and, uh, where uh, Lincoln's tomb is. And, and they came out and they played uh, a certain types of music. It was, it was amazing, wonderful moment. And they bring out the bugle and they, and they play certain pieces, right? But you know, Lincoln never got up. Because you need more authority than just the sound of a voice and a trumpet. You need the authority of the one who can get you out of the grave. You ready? And the only one that can get you out of the grave is the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's why he's our Lord. Yeah. 
How many of you know that you couldn't do it by yourself? You couldn't even overcome sin by yourself. All you have to do is side with the victorious Lord and submit yourself to his uh, leadership, you ready? And when you do, you participate in the victory he has and you'll hear his voice. And he'll call us out of the grave one of these days. And shall come forth. And then he says, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. How many of you want to be on that side? Because the other side is, and they that have done evil Unto them the resurrection of damnation. And this is what John is saying. The judgment is on them because of their works. We don't believe in works righteousness. That's right. My works don't earn anything. But you ready? I have to act in faith. And if I don't act in faith and obey the gospel. You ready? Then my works will show that I'm not in alignment with faith. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, uh, Let me see if I can wrap up tonight. Jesus goes on. The next portion looks like a court case. He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He talks about, I I can do nothing of myself. Uh, As I hear, I judge. Talking about there's no self-will to taint my judgment. I wish we had time. Remember, he's our example. The self-will taint our judgment. But I was just here to do that tonight. He says, I bear, I bear witness of myself. He said, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me. And again, we've already talked about it. These miracles, just like everything in the Old Testament. And the believers accept him, but other people reject him. And again, you're like, uh, they're not accepting or even recognizing that the Father, God, Brother Brzezinski, is at work in Jesus' life. It's like, how many miracles do I have to do? But the problem is a heart issue. He says, you sin unto John, and he bear witness of me. And he says, you, you were willing to rejoice in him for a time. You ready? And he talks about that. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Now, what does that mean? He says, for a time you rejoice, but here's the problem. You wouldn't accept John's endorsement of Jesus. If they had believed John, this is what Jesus is saying. If you really believed John, when he said, there's one that stands among you now, Whose shoe latches? I'm not even worthy to take off his shoes. If if they would have believed when he pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Or, are you ready? He must increase. Why? Because he's the revelation now. I've been prophesying. All of Scripture is meant to prophesy of him. And so the entire witness of the Old Testament and the ministry of John is to lead you to the moment of decision to what are you going to do with Jesus? I'll give you an example. It's like uh, uh, last Christmas, my, uh, my father-in-law took all of our family to the Eagle's Nest and bought us a really nice meal, Brother Lopez, if you ever want to do something really nice for the whole group. <laughs> I said, sorry for that. And so we're up there, right? How many of you have ever been to the Eagle's Nest? Oh, just, Jane Clay was there, yeah? And, and so we're sitting there, and it was a great meal, wasn't it? It was wonderful. And so we're watching, and, and it, was, we're, we're, it was around the Christmas season, so we're twirling around, and you could see, like, uh, the lights of downtown. There wasn't very many Christmas lights. I was disappointed a little. But it was still a beautiful view of the city, right? And, and so we're looking at it. Now, suppose, uh, Brother Ross, you're up there. Perhaps there's a young lady you're trying to impress. <laughs> <laughs> and so you decide to take her up there. Not, my wife and I happen to be there. And yet you, you're, you're both standing at the window and you're admiring this beautiful sunset over the city. It's a gorgeous view. If you've never been there, you owe it to yourself to go buy dessert, something cheap, and just sit at the table and look at the view. It's beautiful. 
But what if I walked up to you and I said, and you were going to say, wow, isn't it amazing? You're like, yeah, it's a beautiful sunset. Like, no, no, look at that glass. Look at that window. How it's sitting in a stainless steel. It's just gorgeous, isn't it? Let me, and, and then I pull out my little knife and my, my handy-dandy knife, and I'm like, I pull it out of my pocket. I think I got it, yep. And I, I scratch off a little bit of the, the glass, and I put it in a pouch, and I say, this is what I'm going to do, Brother Ross. I'm going to take this to a lab, and I'm going to have it analyzed. And when I get it, give me your number, because I'm going to tell you what I discover. What would you say to me? Ridiculous, not stupid, right? Ridiculous. <laughs> because the point of a window is to see the view. And see, the problem with Jesus, the, the religious leaders, they got so in tune with the text, Brother Brzezinski, they didn't realize that the text was the window by which you're supposed to see Jesus. You ready? And they got the cart before the horse. Can I just tell you, Bible studies don't save you. There are a lot of people that study the Bible. It's an encounter with God that's in your Bible study that's going to make the difference. But unless you come to Christ, because revelation is encounter, it's not knowledge about God. It's knowledge of God. That's the problem with the people of Jesus' day. They're studying the Bible wrong. And they're, and they're getting it all backwards. And so Jesus tells him, he said, you, you, you know, the problem is, is John was a burning light. He said, but you neither, uh, you have neither heard his voice speaking of the Father at any time, verse 37, or seen his image. Now, what does that mean? Heard his voice. You have to remember, Brother Lopez, this is beautiful. It's going all the way back to John 1. He's the Logos. He's the Word of God. You ready? He's the revelatory thing. And if you don't hear that, if you don't hear him, you're not going to understand and receive. And if you don't hear the word of God, it's like Mama Kimlin used to say to me, boy, do you hear me? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I do. She was asking, do you understand what I'm trying to communicate? That's what John is saying. He's saying, you've missed it. Uh, and then he and, and, and he says, and you have not his word abiding in you, for uh, for whom ha, he hath sent him you believe not. Search the scriptures. Now this is imperative in the Greek, brother uh, Ross. I know you took a little language. What does imperative mean? It means a command. It's a command. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have salvation. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm, and, and we don't we 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 can sum up the last portion of this. Uh, scripture is this. It's witnesses. And he says, you have had ample witnesses of my ministry. You ready? And ample witnesses means you've had ample opportunity, and that means you're going to stand in this side of the equation without excuse. I'm just going to tell you today that the same is true of us. How many of you have ever seen the miraculous touch of God? How many have ever felt his presence at work? You ready? Then when we stand in eternity, we have to know that we're going to be without excuse if we don't accept the witness. But if you, for they that would receive him, gave he power to become the sons of God. You don't want to be on the wrong side of that equation. That's what we're saying tonight. Jesus said, I receive not honor from men, but I, I know you that you have not the love of God in you. Why? Because you're seeking the honor of men before the honor of God. Now, what does that look like? We could do a whole lot of things. We could apply it in the text. We could talk about Brother Brzezinski, them walking around in the robes that identified them as teachers and, and rabbis and experts in the law and how that was kind of the club. Or we could, we could, you ready, just flip it like the intention of the text is. You check yourself against any peer group. 
And if you're more worried about the praise of people than the praise of God, you will never live out the life that you're supposed to live that was modeled in Him. You cannot, now I'm going to be a little pointed here. You cannot have the praise of God if you're competing with the praise of men in your heart. Because at the end of the day, you have to say, I'm willing to do what's right no matter what it costs me. And that's the way to live life in the Spirit. Let's see, what time is it? Is my wife hiding out there? Okay. Baby, bring in the cinnamon rolls. Is she out there? Can you hear me? Bring in the cinnamon rolls. While she's doing that, let me wrap up with this. He says, do, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. He's speaking to the Jewish people. There's one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Now, I'll give you, uh, if you want to listen to the podcast and get these verses. Genesis 49.10, Exodus 12.21, Leviticus 16.5, Numbers 24.17, Deuteronomy 18.15-18. Brother Hertz, those are all passages that Moses writes and testifies to Jesus. And this is what, this is what Jesus is saying. For had ye believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. You ready? The window is the Bible. And you've been, you ready? Instead of trusting in Moses, you should have been trusting in the one that Moses pointed to. And here's the, going all the way back, Brother Brzezinski, to our Roman series. If you had understood Moses and the purpose of the law, which is to convict <laughs> us of sin, how many know you've sinned? But that's not the end of the law. The law was to lead them to substitutionary sacrifice. You ready? It was to point them to Christ. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you believe Moses is the writing of the law, the purpose of the law was to point out sin, to point you, second of all, to the need of a Savior. And if you had said, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, you ready? Then you would have been looking for the Savior and you would have found me. But you believe not his writings. And then Jesus says, how shall you believe my word? It's very hard to convince people of their need of God when they won't even listen to the Bible. How are they going to listen to you? Let me see if I can stand up tonight. No, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm, this is so much. I think, I, got it. I think I've got it across. Let me just point out a couple passages of Scripture. And they ask him, what then are thou, Elias, prophet? And, they, and he said, no, John the Baptist. And they said, uh, why baptize thy then if you're not Christ or Elias or a prophet? See, they knew what to look for. It's fascinating. John 6, 14. Then those men which had seen the miracle that Jesus did says, this is of truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Some saw. John 7, 40 and 41. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard of this saying of truth, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Some people saw it, and yet some people rejected it. And because they missed his work, they missed his provision, they missed their opportunity, you ready? And they missed eternity. No middle ground tonight. You either believe him and trust him to usher you into this thing, you ready? Or you're lost. Because if you miss him, you miss everything. Let me quote it one more time, John 1.12. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them 
that believe in His name. I'm going to say it again. Life in the Spirit is our connection to that hope in eternity. And we only have it because we have believed Him. How many of you are glad you know Him? You ready? If you have Him tonight, you have everything you need. Let me close like this. Bow your head with me. I just want to pray for you quickly. And then we're going to eat those wonderful little treats back there. Lord, we get so weary walking this road of faith that we often forget, God, that you not only secured our salvation, you're here to walk in us through this life. I pray for everyone that's struggling and everybody that's uh, down and everyone that's under the throes of temptations and all the things that are just common to life, the pressures of life, the pressures that help us not to cave in, but to walk in the Spirit and so fulfill the law of Christ. Help us to live that new life in you and trust that you're going to help us overcome everything we need to overcome. And then, Lord, we know that you secured it for us and you're walking with us and that you will help us, God, and be with us into eternity.